Welcome to Cyber Inspiration Podcast. My name is Evgeny. I have been around cybersecurity for the last 20 years and I have a lot of experience working with a variety of cybersecurity vendors. My main work is vendor consulting and cybersecurity advisory for companies. As part of my passion in technology and cyber, I've been intrigued to learn how a company starts. I started the podcast to understand the thinking process and what motivated people to start their own company. This podcast is affiliated with Security Architecture Podcast. I have a pleasure today to talk to you, Tom, about his company and his motivation to start it. You, Tom, can you please tell me about yourself and the company? Nice to meet you, Evgeny, and thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure to be on the podcast. My name is Yotam Segev. I'm the co-founder and CEO for Sayera. We're a data security company, that data security company. Sayera is a young company. It's two and a half years old today, and one that is moving very, very fast to help organizations build data security programs, adapt their data security programs to the cloud era. In the past... We protect the data by locking it up in a vault, by detaching it from the internet, by making sure that nobody can move it, touch it, or do anything with it. And that reality is no longer relevant. Data needs to be everywhere. Data is being used by every business unit. And data is driving tremendous business value for every type of organization across the planet. And we want to enable organizations to get the most out of the data they have, to leverage it to its full business potential, and to do it in a way that's secure, compliant, private and with all of the appropriate controls and safeguards in place to make sure that we all benefit from it and not the other way around. Thank you. So this is interesting because you mentioned two things that kind of make me smile. One, like 10 years ago, we had this joke, if you want to be secure, unplug the internet from your office. Guess what? It doesn't help because if your data in the cloud, you can unplug as much as you want, your data is still going to be existing. Two, you mentioned you're a relatively new company. The entire segment is relatively new. Five, four, even probably three years ago, the entire idea of the SPM didn't even exist. And it's so fascinating to see many companies start and customers understand there is a problem and there's also a solution. And this is the part where I'm trying to understand what happened, what, two years ago, 18 months ago, when, when the company started? No, we started working on the company three years ago. Three years ago. So what's happened? Like, where are you being in your life? And what motivated you, made the trigger to go and start digging to start the company? The company, Sayera, started, first of all, from a friendship, a partnership between me and my co-founder, Tamar, who is our CTO. And me and Tamar started our journey together in 2010 in Talpiot, Israel's Elite Technological Leadership Academy, where we got our fundamentals in computer science, mathematics, physics, military technology. And both of us, alongside some other great friends that are with us in the company, uh, were posted in cybersecurity. We were the cybersecurity generation, and specifically at 8200, the Israeli NSA. And we worked in cybersecurity for the last decade. In our last position at the agency, Tamar and I had a very unique opportunity to found and lead a new business unit, like to build a new business line for the agency. And they didn't have 250 people to give us like the traditional divisions. So they gave us 50 people and told us, and you can go ahead and use this cloud thing. While you're at it, try to understand how we incorporate it back into the agency's main operations. And that was our first experience building a highly sensitive, highly secure ecosystem over cloud technologies, over cloud platforms. And the first challenge was to get it to work, to get the business to operate. But once that was solved, 
we realized that the whole approach we used to take to security and specifically to data security doesn't fit anymore. And that's exactly the difference. Like you cannot stop data from being in places. You cannot stop data from being collected. You have to align to it and to understand that you want to put guardrails around it to make sure that it's not exposed, to make sure that it doesn't have over-permissive access, to make sure that it's kept with all of the policies and regulations that it should be kept, but not to stop it, not to get in the way. And that was the new approach that led us to DSPM. The founding experience for us was the CyberStart Sunrise process. So our seed investor, CyberStarts, brought to the table much more than capital. They bought a vast network of CISOs and their teams that were kind enough to spend time with us before we had a product, before we had anything to give them back. All we had was a very curious and inquisitive mindset and the willingness to learn about their realities, their problems, their challenges, what they're experiencing as challenges in data security, and what they're experiencing in challenges in data security moving to the cloud moving to collaboration platforms, adopting the data warehousing, Snowflake, Databricks, MongoDB. What is bothering them in this regard? Where do they feel the greatest pains are? And what is lacking in the market in order to answer those pains? You're almost answering most of my questions, but we're still going to go deep into some of them. So my next question was, how did you validate the idea? You answered it because you already have CyberStyle bringing you the CISO. But let's go back. You had an idea. You realize you want to do it. Did you actually went to CyberStats? Why would they want to talk to you? What is the idea you pitch to them that will make them interest? Tell me about this process because many companies start have an idea, but they failing to go and raise the money and actually simplify their technical idea in the business needs. So CyberStats is a very unique VC and they invest in teams more than in ideas. They care about who the people are and what they want to do. And what they want to do, not only from a technological perspective, but it's the impact they want to make. And I think that the connection and partnership with CyberStars was based around that. And it was a personal alignment of values, of attitude, and of ambitions. The willingness and the determination to go big. In cybersecurity, most companies don't go big. Right? It's a very appealing to sell the company for $50 million. There are many buyers who would like a product that they can put into their system. And Tamar and I knew that we wanted to build something that will outlast us, something that would be a big company, a memorable company, a company that will really make an impact in the industry. That's a different mindset than some other teams have. I think that the connection with CyberStart was based primarily around that. We were very interested in cloud data security. That was the area that we wanted to operate in. But I remember them telling us, like, we're investing in you, not in the idea. If the customers tell us that this is a real problem, an important problem, that they need new solutions there, that they're willing to buy new solutions there, we'll build it. But if they tell us that they're not, we'll build something else. So you had prior connection with the company, with the VC, and I think this is what helped you to understand. And they believed in their vision from you and tomorrow. We didn't know them before we partnered with them. We knew their reputation, which was very positive at the time and even more positive today. But I think that we had a connection based on values. People who look at the world in a similar way, who care about the same things and want to spend their time working with other intelligent people, sharpening a blade against blade and becoming the best that you can in every day. Right? In this journey that we're on, the biggest challenge and the biggest prize is to get better to improve, 
yourself, first of all, before everything else, your company, your product, your attitude, always improve. Yes. Mm. I think you're, like my view on this, that you are not trying to compete with somebody else. You're trying to compete with yourself and make a better version of your product or yourself every day. This is how you win the race. Yeah. Okay, let's move forward. You have an idea. You already have a validation of your idea. You already have money. What's next? Are you hiring people? Are you keeping a small team and developing? Walk me through this process right now. So we started hiring the people before we completed the validation stage of the product market fit or the product idea. And we started hiring the core team, the core engineering and product team in Israel. And most of these people are people that we've known for a long time. We've worked with in the past and wanted to be a part of this journey from day zero. Some would even say day minus one. And they joined us, laid the foundation for the product, laid the foundation for our technology. And as we progressed with our validation, we started focusing down the product onto the use cases and capabilities that we saw make the biggest impact for the customers and that we realized that there's the biggest need for in the market. Because when you think about data security, it's huge. There's so many things you can do. Even today, Sayera only solves parts of the problem. We have way more to build and more to do. And the magic is to be able to really tackle the greatest pain points in a very simple way, in a very easy way. Right? If I can offer you, I always have this example, right? And it's vitamins versus painkillers, right? If your product is a vitamin, it's a nice to have, it's a, okay, this can help me a bit, but I don't have to have it. And you're going to be in a tough position. You have to identify a pain that is so critical to the customers that they can't go another month without it. They have to do something about it. And what is offered to them in the market today doesn't appease that pain, doesn't solve it. We actually used to use a different expression for my old CEO, Robert Horjovic. He always used to say, is it a kitchen renovation or leaky roof? Leaky roof you have to fix right now. Kitchen renovation is something we want to do all the time, but we never or we'll do it like we want in the moon. Let's go deeper on people. I always like the people connection and the soft skills because I think it's important. You can build a great product, but if the people that are building the team are not working there or leaving the company, then you're going to have trouble on the long run. And you definitely want people to have started with you to continue working with you. So how you build values? How do you understand what is the company values? How you decide what kind of people to hire, not just because they're amazingly smart and sharp, but they're also going to connect and work well with the team? That's a very important question. And I think it's one of the things that we've paid attention to the most throughout the journey is the team building and the culture. Culture is a very strong thing. And it kicks in much faster than many, forgive my French, but if you have assholes on the team, that starts being felt very quickly. And if people are willing to go above and beyond to help each other, to support each other, that also resonates and propagates very quickly. So you have to choose people that you're really willing to bet your baby on, right? Because one wrong hire in the beginning can have a big impact on a company, a big negative impact. And I think that getting a very high level of certainty on the people that you bring in, it's almost like people you marry, right? You want these people to be with you for a very long time. You want to take on huge commitments together. The level of trust has to be very high. 
So after three years, or maybe even before, did you build some kind of bullet points? This is the type of people I want to have in my company. You actually described for your HR, with your partners, this is the pros, this is the cons, and I'm not hiring the people HR, not in cons. Yeah. So they always like to bring up the beer test in that sense. If your flight gets delayed and you're stuck in an airport with the person, are you going to have a good time? Are you going to enjoy being with them for several hours in a gloomy situation, right? When you want to get home and we're stuck together waiting for the plane, are you going to have a good time? Are you going to enjoy that time with the person? I think that says a lot about the character. But at the end of the day, there are a lot of indications in people's careers that you can lean on. And the strongest indications, in my mind, are not the things that you see in an interview or the things that you ask in an interview, but what the people that worked with the person in the past say about them. There's only so much you can learn about a person in a 30-minute or a 60-minute interview. And people that worked with them for six months or a year or three years, they know where they shine and they know where they don't. And we rely heavily on references and getting input from previous colleagues that the person puts us in touch with. And that really, I think, paints a much clearer picture that helps us decide if it's a good fit or not, but also helps us to welcome the person when they come. Because none of us are perfect. Each of us has our own flaws, the things that we do really well, the things that we react to very well, and the things that we don't. And like I always use those conversations not only to learn about the person, do we want him or not want him, but I always ask, okay, he's going to start next week, she's going to start next week, I'm going to need to manage them. How do I manage them? What will help them become more successful quickly? How can I be good to them? What will help them? Like you've seen them over years, over many experiences together. How can I, as a manager, support these people to the best and give them the best start in the company that they can have? Nice. That's a good one. Let's switch topics to something that are also very important. Sales. So you're the founder. You're basically the first salesperson in the company. And you probably will be remain the primary salesperson in the company for a certain time until you hire the sales manager and kind of trust them with your baby that they will sell it. Tell me a bit more about how did you manage this process? Are you still comfortable to sell because you still have a technical background? And what did you do to actually trust your baby that somebody else will sell it when you're not around? So first of all, I love to sell. I really like to sell. And my co-founder, Tamar, who is much more technical and much smarter than me, also loves to sell. And I think that a company is a commercial entity. Like you don't have a right to be in the game if you're not selling. Right? And I think that's the strongest indication for product market fit. It's not that somebody is willing to plug you into their environment. That's very nice. But if somebody is willing to take money from their pocket, from their budget, from their limited resources and give it to you because you're valuable to them, because what your product does is valuable to them, because they see that this is something they need and is going to help them today and in the future. And I think that product market fit without sales is not real product market fit. Right? You have to get to that point where people value your product, value your offering enough that they're willing to spend money on it. That's the most important indication in my mind. So we have always been very much commercially focused. And we do that because we knew in the early days that would drive us to the best product. If customers don't want to buy it, 
that means something about the product. You don't have a great product that the customers are confused. The product is not the right product. It's not something they care about enough in order to spend the resources on. Makes sense. So when you hired the team, it was easy to let go or you're still taking part of many of the sales calls? I think just now is the first time that I'm starting to let go. Starting is just starting. You never let go. A company like Sayera on a hyper growth path is a growth company. We're taking a lot of money. We're burning a lot of money in order to grow, in order to generate a company that has a significant presence in the market. That's the motion. And if we don't grow, we won't have more money in order to invest in our product. And we won't have the capability to build what we want to build. So it all starts, or let's say it all gets down to the sales. And if you sell, everything else can be fixed. And if you don't sell, then at some point you're in a bind. So I trust my sales leader very much. I think he brings a ton to the table and he's assembled an incredible team. I'm very proud of the team that has come together. At the same time, there is never any letting go, right? It's not, we get measured on this every quarter and it's the most important goal for every quarter. First of all, to sell. Everything else we do in order to enable that and to improve the product and make sure that our offering is not only the best in the market today, but it's going to be the best in the market for years and years to come. So let's talk about the product. And many times when you're on a call with the customer, the guys will say, oh, if you had this, I'll definitely buy this. And you may have it or may not have it. I call it chicken and egg. What is your vision? Do you tell the customers, don't worry, we have it? Or are you being more truthful, Mr. Customers? We don't have it, but we're going to develop it next quarter. I think that in software, there is no escaping the truth, right? You're going to sell them the software and they're going to run it in two weeks' time. <laughs> so the gap between what you say or what you pitch and the truth cannot be big. If it's big, you're going to be in a big problem. And I think that for a company like Sierra, we're selling most of our deals with three-year commitments. The company is not three years old yet. So customers are not only buying what I have on the track now, they're not only buying what I can deliver today or yesterday in the POC, they're buying the roadmap, they're buying the vision, they're buying the partnership uh, and what we're able to do. And I think that the customers see, for example, the fact that we've managed to raise $160 million in two years, they see that as a sign of strength and as a testament to our ability to continue to raise more money, to continue to invest in the product, to continue to lead on the product fund and deliver the most comprehensive and the best data security platform for the cloud age. I'm sure when you started the company, you were very confident in the product and the idea. But sometimes stuff happening and it's not easy to understand if you're on the correct path. Is there something that happened during your building the company that showed to you, okay, I'm on the right path, this is the right product, this is what we need to develop, or maybe we need to pivot. So I would say the opposite. When we started the company, we were very unconfident in the product <laughs> and in the idea, right? Like we always rely on the market. Everybody has ideas. I have ideas. My friends have ideas. The VCs have ideas. The CISOs have ideas. Everybody has ideas. Ideas are all over the place. The question is, what does the market really want? What is the market really willing to spend on? And we relied on validation through business. Once you see the business come in, once you see that customers tell you, 
I am paying for that. I want to buy that. Like what you showed me in the POC, I want it. And I'm willing to spend money on it, to spend my limited resources, my budget on it. Then you know that you have something. And when you see those numbers start to get big, and when you see the type of companies that you work with become the leading companies in the world, companies that have all of the resources and all of the problems, then you know that you're on the path that we wanted to be on. Right? We wanted to tackle the top market, the biggest challenges, the biggest scale, the most complexities. That's where we wanted to operate, right? because that's where we excel. That's our background, solving very complex challenges. There are other great companies that solve relatively simple things, do it in an amazing way, and, and have tremendous value. Right? But we come from deep technology in the military. We come from hard problems in cyber. We come from a background that took us to go after a very, very meaningful problems for our customers, but also problems that are very hard. Fair. This is a good answer. Thank you. Really like the idea. We're going to go a bit personal. I'm sure there's a lot of stress, a lot of tasks, a lot of things you need to do day by day. When shit hit the fan, as we say in the industry, what do you do? Like, how do you recoup? How do you get back to yourself to deal with stress? Like having a lot of work, it's a constant reality. You're always going to have more work than you can do. You're always going to have more work than you can chew off. You're never going to be in box zero. Right? You're never, ever going to be there. But stress, stress is uh, mental. Stress has to do with how you experience the challenge. right? And my focus and my co-founder's focus and what we try to do with the team is to have a really good time. And that doesn't mean we don't work our butts off. We do. <laughs> we work like crazy. But we don't do it because of the stress. We do it because we want to. We do it because we're excited about what we're building. We're passionate about what we're building. We're passionate about our customers. Like the opportunity that we have to make an impact is huge. And not many people get an opportunity like that. And we want to take it and do everything we can with it. And it comes from a place of passion, not from a place of stress. And that doesn't mean that you don't experience stress. But I don't go through my day-to-day in a stressful sense, like I don't feel stressed. I feel tired sometimes. I feel a little worn out sometimes, but I don't feel stressed. I feel excited. I feel passionate. The drive and adrenaline keep you going and you have this. This is interesting. It's cool. We're going to change tracks. We're going to talk about something I call the dark side. And everybody that's listening, can, this is where we talk about stuff that didn't go well as you expected. And this is maybe potentially bad experience or experience when you learned something and you changed. So please share some stories, customers, people, of course, not mentioning anyone that didn't go as you expected and it was a lesson learned or it was just something that was hard for you. Where do I start? I think like some of the hardest things that I had to deal with uh, on this path, on this journey, was feeling that uncertainty about, uh, about what you're building when it started getting big, right? And from a place of pragmatism, you wanted to be very sure of the value proposition. You wanted to be very certain. And when you felt that, okay, there was already a lot of people that came into this, there's already a lot of money that came into this from the VCs, and you, we didn't have that clear, strong validation yet from the market, that was something that was worrying to me. I was a bit concerned, okay, I don't want to spend all of this effort, all of this energy, all of my friends, my people's time on something that's not going to happen in a big way. And that was a hard period when there were already a lot of resources involved and a lot of people involved, but not enough results yet that it's going to be something huge. 
It's interesting. Yeah, that's a good story. Looks like you are able to overcome and you're here right now. So this is good. Anything else? Yeah, many stories. Maybe a customer, bad POC. Yeah, I think like in the early days when we started, we had very limited coverage. We didn't cover all of the cloud providers. We didn't cover all of the ecosystems that the customers had. And we had a conversation with a very known CISO of a very known company. And the whole conversation was super exciting. He was excited about the product. He was excited about what we do. Everything was great. And he said, I want to start a POC next week. Let's get going. I'll send you the paper. I have budget here. And then at the end of the call, he said, we're like, what environment do you have? And he says some environment that we don't support. We are not, we didn't even started supporting it yet. And I remember Tamar and I like look at each other. Oh my God, I don't believe it. I don't believe that we lost this momentum. It was so great. (laughs) And the funny thing is that we actually partnered with him and that company recently with with full support for that environment and many others. But at the time it was like the customer you want, that unicorn customer and not having the right support was really hard. I think there was a time where, exactly like you say, customers pushed you to certain capabilities or features that you didn't have. So there was a customer that was very interested in the product and had a specific architectural requirement that they said, if you have it, I'm in. If you don't have it, I'm out. And not only am I out, I'm going with your competitors. And we thought that it wasn't the right time to develop that. And we let it go. And we knew that we were going to lose that deal, lose that partner. And that was really hard because in a very competitive situation, it's not easy to make it a decision of what's good for us in the midterm. And like, how do we get this specific thing in? I think sometimes you have to let go and move on because you have a greater good to support. And not just as one of the CEOs I was talking to, you don't want to become a DevOps shop for one customer. Yeah, for sure. Great. Yutam, thank you very much. I think we have spent like 30 minutes together. I don't know how time flies so fast. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for coming and joining today. Thank you, Evgeny. It was great to be here. Awesome. Everybody that's listening, thank you very much for listening. Please continue listening. Move to the next episode as well. We'll have more content to come. Thank you, everyone.